Hello, hello, hello. This is Thumbs United. We are doing just kind of running around in Horizon 2. I got this a while ago. It was before they had uh, what was it? Game Pass Ultimate. Um, they have games with gold where once a month they would give you three games for free. And so this was one of them I got for free. And so I thought I lost it. This is a long time ago. I thought I lost it. But I thought I lost it. Because I deleted it from, you know, my Xbox. Because it had not that much space. But then I went to install it again. Couldn't find it anywhere. So they really kind of obfuscated it. There was like a couple. You could go directly to the store and re-download it. That wasn't the problem, but if you looked in like uh, purchased games or uh, games with gold, it was just like completely disappeared. So sometimes I don't know. They just don't want you to find it. But I got it back, and then I was actually going to do Horizon Three. I was setting up yesterday. I downloaded it and everything. I said, huh, this is weird. I figured it was like the same thing where they're like, uh, don't tell anyone where it is because we want people to buy Horizon 5 or minimum 4. And uh, so I downloaded it. It was like 50 gigs. And then I go to play it because I figure, oh, maybe it's part of Game Pass. They just don't advertise it. And it's like, did you buy the game? And I was like, no. So I was like, oh, fine. I'll go buy the game. And no, you can't purchase it. They discontinued it. It reached end of life. And uh, so you can still download it. You just can't buy it or play it unless you already paid for it in the past. And so because I'm old school and my Xbox One S has a disk drive, I bought a copy of Forza Horizon 3. They didn't say it was used, which I don't care. I, I usually buy used games. But it was like $19, so I'm getting the disc, and then um, I just have to put the disc in. It doesn't even read from the disc, because it says, oh, you got it from, uh, you know, you have it downloaded. So, that's that. So, uh, my goal is to do, like, all the Horizons. We did Horizon 5 first, but uh, we'll go back and do Horizon 3, which I've never played before. I've only done the demo. And then, uh, so right now we're doing Horizon 2, uh, so then we'll do Horizon 3 and 4. I'm a little I'm a little messed up, not like messed up in the head, but tired. My life was a lie. I'm doing a lot of astrophotography and it's hard because usually in winter, like yeah, there's clouds, but when the sky is clear, it's like really clear and there's like very little humidity like you can see you know a ton of stars with the naked eye and that has not been the case this winter 
Uh, I've been able to go out and get pictures of the stars only once in December. And then uh, so far twice in all of January. So that's not very good. Especially since I invested a little more in astrophotography gear. But, um... But yeah, so last night, it was supposed to be a big night where I was going to shoot all night long. And then, uh... And, uh... So I set up everything last night. Uh, you have to do this thing with polar alignment where you have to aim the tripod base. Uh, it has kind of this, it's a special head that holds the tripod, that holds the camera. And uh, it rotates the camera with the rotation of the earth. So even though it's rotating, it's looking at the exact same star as uh, the night sky turns. So in order to get it to rotate at the right rate, you have to aim it at the uh, at the celestial north pole. So it's not just that you have to aim it north, but you have to tilt it up at the right degree. So you have to tilt it up at your longitude, and then you actually aim it. If you're in the northern hemisphere, you aim it at uh, the north star Polaris. And uh, the more accurate you aim it at Polaris, uh, the smoother and better your shots will be. And so the whole point of it is so that one, you can set up your tripod to do long exposures and it will stay pointed at the right star. There won't be any star trails. Because if you do a long exposure at the night, like the planet rotates faster than you think. And so you'll get like motion blur effects on the stars and everything if you go longer than like five seconds on a regular tripod. And so this fixes that. And then what I'm doing now is I'm getting into stacking where you take a thousand or two thousand photos uh, of a short time, like five or six seconds. And then in the computer, it aligns all thousand photos and uh, it combines that into essentially, if it's like a thousand photos and it took an hour and a half to do it, then it's like an hour and a half exposure. And uh, so the advantage of that is if you did like an hour and a half long exposure and like a cloud came in, that would ruin your shot. Or if you did an hour and a half and then there was like a couple of planes that flew across that would ruin your shot and so doing it in the five second chunks uh, you can actually take out the photos that weren't good like cloud came in there was a plane a lens flare or something and so then it doesn't really affect the it affects the final image in that it will be clearer and um, better looking But so I set up, uh, I have two, um, two mounts, astrophotography mounts, and so I got them polar aligned and everything, it was like perfect. The stars were out, but I was going to wait a little bit longer 
because uh, the constellations I wanted were not were not out yet. So then the clouds came in, and I was like, "This is fine," because the the weather report was. Um, the weather report was that it was going to uh, get cloudy around ten, and then eleven it would be clear. And it just, the clouds never went away. And while I was looking on the map, it was like, there was a patch of clouds that was just directly over my house, not moving at all. The rest of the city had a clear sky. Just, not me. So yeah, so I waited up all night and I was like uh, waited all night where I was like, oh the clouds will disappear at you know, twelve and then the report was like, Oh it will disappear at you know, at one AM and so I'm waiting. And then one came and they were still there. They were just sitting there. And then there were like three. And then at 4 a.m. And I said, well, this is it. I have to pack up. And so I made like this little hut. It's not little. It's six feet by seven feet. It's six feet by six feet by seven feet. And then I set up my computer in there to do the telescope and everything. And it, I tore that down, but it was like a little windy, so it kept blowing my structure over. It's built out of PVC and, and has a tarp and everything. Just for, you know, protection from wind and light rain. So it kept blowing over. So today, it's supposed to be completely clear. Like, right now it's clear, and all nights it's supposed to be clear, so I believe it a little more. But I'm going to be going out tonight. I'm ready. This is the Horizon Heats. Finishing the top three and you get your festival wristband. That's the ticket to the road trip of your life. The road trip of my life. But yeah, so I ordered, I bought some stakes to put in the ground to hold it up. I was going to do this elaborate PVC, like, reinforcement thing. But I decided to just go basic and do a stake system to keep it from blowing over. I've set it up maybe five times before, and I've never had a problem. But it also wasn't windy at all. We're doing it. 
we're doing it. I used to be such a huge Need for Speed fan. I was like, Need for Speed forever, blah, blah, blah. And now I do like Forza nonstop. Funny. Um, my family and I celebrate Epiphany, and so we put the shoe under a tree, and then we get uh, gifts. They're usually like little gifts, like chocolate and, and things like that. Now usually we get like a marzipan uh, pig or, or something, and the pig is for good luck. But. This year, my mom got us, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, she got us, uh, she calls them scratchies. I said, I don't think they're called scratchies, they're called scratch offs. And, like, maybe it's a British thing, they're called scratchies. Uh, but my sisters and I all got one. And so, I actually won something. I won five dollars. And so, I was like, yeah. Hashtag winning. So that was fun. I've been working on doing AI stuff, machine learning, and so I've actually found this uh, library that, programming library, that has a ton of stuff. It's really easy. It's uh, hugging uh, transformers and stuff. and. So like you can install anything pretty easily with Python, just doing a pip install and then uh, just include it in your Python script. But uh, so I've done stuff with like GPT-2 and Neo, and uh, the only one I was really able to get work to work was Neo with a uh, 2.7 billion. Uh, it's not a database, it's it's slim weights, but it's also called something else. Uh, parameters, 2.7 billion parameters. So the more parameters you have, the kind of better the answers you get. And so like, I'll search, I'll ask it, you know, what is a black hole? And it says a black hole is blah, 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 blah. 
And so the problem I get into is like I ask a question like what is a black hole, but I want it to be like a hundred word response. And so it will give me like maybe a 50 word response and then the rest of it is just the last sentence repeated forever. It's just like a black hole is this big, a black hole is this big. I read a couple of them last time. But um, so the bigger the parameter database, kind of the more data it has and the more things it can predict that it thinks you want to know. And uh, but these databases are huge. And so like the, the 2.7 billion database is, um, it's like, I think it was like maybe 15 gigabytes. No, it was 20 gigabytes. And so the file size is important because it also has to be um, loaded in its entirety into RAM. And so they're mainly designed to be run on the graphics cards, which is why it's so difficult to do um, you know, in terms of just at home, because you need a graphics card that would be able to hold, you know, 20 gigs of RAM. And uh, so the new stuff with like Neo X, which is a 20 billion parameter thing, and they're getting higher where they have 100, 175 uh, parameters. And so that, that's a lot, kind of a lot of uh, options in terms of responses it can return. And those ones you need like 48 gigs of GPU memory. And uh, so it's not cheap to do. Uh, I run it off a Linux box. It's only using CPU. It doesn't even have a graphics card. Uh, so I'm running it off a of RAM. And uh, the servers I use are retired end of life servers. I get them used on eBay and they're like $80. And then you have to spend like another 80 for a power supply. But uh, they have like 20 gigs of RAM as well. And so I'm able to do it off the CPU, which is a little bit slower. Well, I mean, it's pretty slow. Like you'll ask it a question and it takes uh, like five minutes of just loading the parameters into RAM. And then it takes maybe 15, 20 minutes for it to figure out the response and so I have a Python script that does it where it's like I write five questions and then I come back an hour later and it has answered them so I've been playing with different parameter models uh, so I done uh, Neo and then uh, which is 2.7 billion parameters uh, you can download one that's like 1.7 billion or you can do like 3.5 million and the lower the number the faster it is but also kind of the less detailed the responses are and so I've um, 2.7 seems to be the limitation for doing it on the CPU uh, any bigger and you need a lot more RAM and you need it to be processed on the graphics card Uh, the reason why it works better on graphics card is the CPU is good for doing uh, extremely complex calculations, but essentially one at a time. Uh, the GPU can do thousands of millions of calculations, but they have to be very simple calculations. And the reason why 
Kravitz uh, cards are like that is because uh, they have to do really fast calculations for each pixel. And so if just HD is about 1.6 million pixels it has to process uh, instantaneously to like our eyes. And so it does a lot of simple calculations but really quickly. And so with the, um, the AI it does really s simple know thousands of searching through okay what does this per, what does this word mean what does that word mean and putting them together and just searching the database uh, the parameters really quickly and then returning the results so it's not like it has to think that hard it just has to search through and then a huge amount of data which is why it's uh, needs to be loaded in RAM one and then two um, it's essentially like, if you think about it, it's like having a thousand tabs open and it's searching, you know, uh, searching with Google and it has to compare each one. So it's not that computationally intensive, but it is hugely resource intensive. So kind of what I've discovered is with the older servers that I have, the limit is really uh, 2.7 billion parameters off a of CPU. I did get this kind of one script running uh, where it loads each section uh, so the parameters can be split into different chunks. And so I had it running where I, on my really old, I, it's like a NVIDIA. 1050 or 1040 Ti so it is a very it's not just it's not that it's so old it's just it is very entry level um, I was able to get it running where it would load one section at a time and then the graphics card would go through it and do that batch of parameters and then it would do the next one but it would take a huge amount of RAM because it still has to load it in the CPU RAM and then the CPU motherboard RAM will stream it to the graphics card and the graphics card only has like one gig of RAM so it has to stop and stream and stop and stream a lot so I could get it to load um, if I wanted like five or six word answers it would work but it wasn't it wasn't very good and that was for 20 billion parameters it would take hours but uh, over the week what I've been playing with is a real treat so I've been playing with different databases and there's one from Meta slash Facebook, which is kind of like all the other databases, uh, but they've combined it into one kind of series. So you can get, you know, the 2.7 billion. Uh, you can even get a 6 billion. I wasn't able to get that to work so well because it needed so much RAM. And 
I did increase the swap space, which is like uh, when it stores part of RAM on the hard drive. And swap is so slow, it just it keeps it from crashing, but it also takes so long. So it's not that great to use swap. It's almost useless. Even I even set uh, a swap hard drive that's an SSD still was way too slow and so uh, so yeah the the meta one from facebook is called uh, opt and so if you have like a lot of resources that one's nice because you can experiment there's a a lot of different sizes you can experiment with all in one uh kind of the really good one that's open source, like actually open source, you can download and, and everything, is uh, Neo. And so there's uh, Neo 1 and 2. And Neo 2 goes up to uh, 2.7 billion parameters. But uh, Neo X, which is their new one and the only one they're working on right now, I couldn't see where I was going. I didn't look at the map at the right time. Uh, Neo X does 20 billion parameters, which is a huge amount. You need, you know, like I said, that's the one that you need 48 gigs of RAM. Do it, do it, do it. And so I couldn't get that one to work. And it was just, I could get it to load. The program worked and everything. It was just... Um, it took too much time to be useful. Or, like, it wouldn't crash, but it, it would take, like, 12 or, 12 or 13 hours of working before I quit. What is this? What is this? It's minding my own business. This guy creeping up on me. Okay, I'm back. So continuing on with the AI story. So um, there's, you know, this huge uh, repository of of AI libraries and parameters you can download, and it's all like for from like universities and larger tech corporations. And so you can experiment with them all. And it's really quite incredible, you know, that you can, you know, build all this stuff if you have enough resources at home. And like I said, the resources aren't 
don't have to be that big. My servers cost in total about 150 per, well maybe 200 per server. It's like $80 from eBay used and then again the power supply is almost more expensive than the server where it can be 100 or 150 but um, you pretty much just need enough RAM and like if you have a you know a medium grade PC and it has 32 gigs of RAM uh, you could definitely load the 2.7 billion on the CPU uh, no issue it would just take like 20 minutes uh, per question Uh, I don't like the bucket list. But... Oh, so one of them... So remember how I was talking about how like Google's terrified? So, yes, they're terrified with AI. But... Uh, they have their own... It doesn't answer questions. What's really cool is... About it is that it... Does summaries... So, like, you can give it, like, a sentence. Well, not a sentence. You can give it, like, a paragraph. You could give it a sentence as well. But it will summarize what the paragraph said. So I looked up this uh, observatory, and I think it was, like, the Chandler Observatory. It says, like, this Chandler... The original text was, like, the Chandler Observatory has found a huge collection of black holes that have formed a spiderweb matrix uh, within their galaxy. And so then I give that paragraph to to the Google AI. It's called uh, Pegasus. And Pegasus will respond with uh, the Chandler Observatory found a uh, new series of network of black holes. So it took like those three sentences and it actually gets pretty pretty well it figures out the subject what's important and leaves out you know the extra stuff so that's like that is super powerful because I can just give it articles and it will give me okay this is this is uh, the point of each paragraph and like that is helpful on so many levels uh, like, I have dyslexia, and then on, on a different issue, I had a head trauma. And so a lot of growing up before the head trauma, uh, you know, I'd have to read something, and then it'd be like, what was it that I just read? What was the point of the paragraph and everything? And so a lot of the uh, um, tutoring and everything was uh, not only learning, you know, how to spell better, and read better but it was also about you know writing better articles and stuff and so the you know the summary in terms of like for learning disabilities and everything is like okay you read this big paragraph and then you can have the AI say okay this is what was in it and then the difference uh, with my head trauma was that it was in high school and like I had to be hospitalized for a month and then I had to be uh, an outpatient for a month 
And I kind of rushed outpatient because I was like, yeah, I'll get back to normal. I'll get back to high school and everything. And that was kind of a mistake. Because it wasn't like, oh, I was, you know, not ready to get out. But, you know, once I had the school workload, it was a lot more difficult than, you know, before the head trauma. So one of the issues was, like, I could read very slowly, but I couldn't understand what I was reading. So, like, I could read it out loud, and I was like, what did I just read? And, uh, like, that AI would have been so helpful, because I could have, you know, written or pasted the paragraph of, like, a book. And, like, what was, what was the point? And, like, it could have given me back, you know, a, a short response. Was like, this is the important takeaways. So it is really quite incredible, you know, what it can do. Like, these AIs would be so helpful for people with with learning disabilities or, or people that, you know, need, you know, rehabilitation from head traumas and other issues and uh, so with the Pegasus what I have it do is I write just a text document or I can like paste things from Wikipedia I've done like whole Wikipedia articles like 50 articles at once and so then in Python what it does is it reads the text file and then I have it where it divides it by paragraph and so it looks at it splits the file up into different paragraphs, and then um, just, I tell it. I'm trying to figure out how it can do it automated, but I tell it, okay, get each three sentences out of a paragraph. And I know that paragraphs are supposed to be like three or four sentences, but a lot of the material I'm getting, they're like seven or eight sentence paragraphs. And uh, so I say, okay, process three sentences of each paragraph at a time. Uh, so if a paragraph's like seven sentences, it will do the first four, and then we'll do the next three. And the reason why I did that is because if you do it just, you know, split it up by three sentences at a time, you might get it where uh, that same thing would be... Uh, it would process the first paragraph of four sentences and then the next four sentences would be three of one paragraph and then the beginning of another paragraph. And so that wouldn't really make sense. Maybe you misaligned because each paragraph is supposed to be a different subject. And uh, so that's why I have it divide by paragraphs and then again divide by sentences. And so what I want one is like, okay, maybe you know, okay, have it look and say, okay, this paragraph is, you know, seven. Is maybe like eight, eight sentences. And so maybe processing three sentences at a time isn't good. It should do four. So they haven't decided how to do that. Have it decide as an algorithm versus having it something I hard code in. But, um, like, I've given it books. I gave it uh, Plato's Republic, and it took, you know, maybe an hour and a half 
and it summarized each paragraph. And then I've done a whole bunch of, you know, web searches and combine them into a text document and it summarizes that pretty well. So it's nice because it's like, it's like having, you know, staff where it's like, okay, I need, you know, 15 facts about this. And then I give it the articles to look at and it summarizes them up pretty well. And then I can write my own article. So it's a really nice aid for... for processing a huge amount of data. And like I said, the Google Pegasus summarization, like it's really good. There are a couple situations where of course it messes up, but it's not what you think. Uh, so like there will be a couple of special characters like a dot and a couple dashes or something inside the text document that it doesn't understand. And so it thinks it's saying something else when really it's just like exclamation points and reference links and stuff. So it doesn't understand that, but just straight on straight text and sentences, it works fine. And then there's a larger uh, Pegasus database, Pegasus X. Oh man, I use those guys to help me turn. There's a larger Pegasus X database, and I haven't been able to get that one to work because it's just, it's so huge, I can't load it all into RAM. Uh, but like I said, I run that off the CPU. It's really easy to do. Like, it's not that um, difficult to use. And I do have a GitHub, and I plan on just posting these scripts and a little YouTube video on how to do it. So yeah, it's funny because like acad academia, they're like really, I don't know, they're, they're like always misinformed and it really makes me wonder about the education system. And like I say this, um, so like when the iPad came out, they were furious, you know, they were like, they literally banned uh, iPads from colleges for a while because they're like you can't have a digital ebook and blah 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 and so it's like why not because uh, like ibooks at the time and kindle it was great because you could highlight things you can make the font bigger um you could search through the chapters for things you were looking for and they're like no you can only use physical books and blah 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 and it's like why would you force someone you know the font size alone being able to change the font size like why would you take away someone's option to do that and their excuse was like oh it's going to increase our network 
we don't know what you're reading uh, and all this stuff and so of course that's changed but you know, academia's response to like new technology is always like like you would think the education system would know better and be able to realize things that are resources that can aid in education and so of course all the academia is like oh people are going to use AI to plagiarize and um, you know they're submitting their essays with copy and paste their work which is true but they should be teaching people you know how to use AI for essentially what I'm doing it's like how do you use it to find other sources how do you find it how to use it to get better definitions of topics and then teaching them okay this is how uh, you use AI to get your responses get your information and then how to you know actually write that in an essay in your own words because it's kind of like you can interview somebody with this huge database of responses and then you can you know go back and it tells you where you can do you know research I think let, let's go back to the black holes like you can say okay what is a black hole and so the black hole is a star that died um, stars need have a huge amount of mass and then black hole happens when it shrinks down uh, to a size but the mass remains the same okay so then you got all that information you know it's from a star it's mass and it's a certain size and so then you can actually go and say okay I want to figure out what mass is so then you go to Wikipedia find out what mass is and everything I don't want to challenge anyone to a head to head. Mind your own business. And I have to clarify, like I'm, I say I'm working with all this AI stuff, but we don't really have AI. It's kind of like uh, in the Halo universe where they had, they had two classifications of AI. And before, you know, the Covenant really attacked the UNSC, uh, they had AI, but they had what was called dumb AI. And so like if you play Reached, there was Dot and she was a dumb AI, uh, where dummy AIs were like essentially just search databases and stuff and could bring up relevant information. So that's kind of like what we have now. 
they weren't something that was create that could do uh, creative thought or or things like that. As so you say, well, not doing creative thought, they're doing creative things, they're doing you know art generation, all that stuff, and that's creative. And it's not, they're not doing it. What they're doing is they're searching databases and they're comprehending uh, the probability of what you're asking for and, and what you, and this is what you want. And so they're actually, they're not, they're not taking art directly. They are mo modifying the artwork and everything. Uh, but what it is and what machine learning is it's a, it's kind of like gambling and predicting the odds where uh, you will have a computer look at a problem over and over and over and try to predict the output so like let's say there's a coin flip okay and you know logically there's a 50-50 chance that coin flip will be either heads or tails, 50-50. But what, you, what machine learning is, would be an example, uh, is you set up a computer or a robot to flip a coin, and um, it records it. It says, okay, this is heads. And then you tell the, you know, the robot arm, okay, flip the coin this way. And then it's like, oh, it's heads again. And uh, the computer records that. So it says, okay, if I flip it this way, it's heads. If I flip it this way, it's heads. But it does it thousands of times. And so it gets random answers where it's like, okay, this was tails, this was tails. And so it's recording and recording. And like the probability of flipping this way can uh, get heads. The f probability of flipping that way gets tails. Uh, and so like it's a huge amount of data that's just humans can't really process and don't want to. And so it will, it comes up with the probability that, okay, this is how you would use that is like, okay, it would watch somebody flip and then the machine learning would say, okay, I saw them flip this way. So there's a slightly, slightly better chance that when that coin hits the ground, it's going to be heads. So that's what machine learning is, is it, it what looks at a huge amount of data and tries to draw, uh, what the probability is of the output. And so with uh, AI art, it looks at huge databases of art. And uh, like there's usually a person and it says, okay, this is a human. This next picture is, is a human. This next picture is a human. And so the machine uh, looks through it and says, okay, this is a human what makes that similar to this next image that is an image of a human and then it tries to really hard uh, to figure out what the human is it doesn't really know what a human is but it what it's looking at is like okay these things are similar and so when the human says you know this is a human on the image this is probably what they're talking about this is the common denominator and so then uh, so in that terms, you know, they're submitting thousands of photographs of, you know, of humans, of, of artwork and everything. And so then it does draw inspiration from that where it says, okay, these are the humans. And then, like, you can say, okay, I want a man wearing a purple shirt. 
and so then it has the billion things of what it thinks a man is and then uh, it will search for like different articles of clothing where it's like this is a purple shirt and then it knows shirt size supposed to go on the chest uh, between you know the neck and, and the pelvis area and so it will kind of you know combine all those things into one and then what I'm working with uh, for AI art is I have it where uh, instead of doing prompts, like, you know, you say, okay, I want, you know, a picture of a mountain drawn in abstract or impressionalism. Uh, I actually give it one of my photos or one of my animations, and I just describe what it is. So, like, for this one, I said, you know, this is a portrait of a woman in, uh, in a... Uh, architectural ruins and so it will actually look at the image try to understand what it is and then I'll say something like I want it as though it's a painting so it will convert my image into what it thinks is a painting and it's so scary because like I do custom clothing uh, some of my characters are custom all the other characters are not and so the AI will actually you know it uses my own artwork and then like in terms of the painting, the painting will have the same clothing uh, that I designed and everything that it sources from my own image. And uh, so I'm working on a we website, it's called Assisted Intelligence, where it, I'm going to be posting a lot of my artwork, but it's going to be, you know, how the machine learning sees it from its perspective. So it's scary because it's like it knows it doesn't know, but it can predict what my artwork is and how I want it to be the style and everything. So in some ways I do think, I think if you're doing just AI prompt generation, then yeah, it is kind of, I don't think it's stealing, but I think the creation is the AI generator. You can't say, okay, this is my art. I generated the prompt. I think the AI did all the work. What is this? Why did I go here? just driving it away but it's pretty cool and you've probably seen on social media you know people submit their photos of themselves their selfies and then the AI generates you know make it look like an epic you know fairy landscape fantasy portrait and so I still think that's like that's different because I think that's they're using their own likeness. They're using their portraits. Uh, a lot of them are like professional grade, you know, artworks that they submit. And then it spits that out. So I do think that's that's the creator's artwork, as in the you know, the person who's submitting that to the AI. Because like we've had things like that forever in Photoshop, where we've had effects that you can apply to photos and photo manipulation. And I still think 
photo manipulation is still considered a form of art, but you know, people have been Where am I supposed to go? Do I have to go to the car meet? I'm pretty sure I'm like the only one in Horizon. Like they shut down the servers. So that's what machine learning is. It's pretty much, it looks at a thousand different things that it thinks are the same thing, same subject, and then it tries to predict what about those images are the same. And so for the AI text, like you ask it a question, and so it doesn't understand anything you're saying to it. It doesn't understand what it's giving back to you, the answer. Uh, what it is, is it assigns each word a, they call it a token. And so like the word, I don't know, like stars would be like a token of four, five, six. And so then uh, it would say, okay, when I see token four, five, six, uh, they're probably talking about this. So there's a whole sec section of possible documents and uh, documents of search results that relate to uh, token four five six, and so it says, okay, probably talking about either universes, stars, um, black hole, or something. And then uh, the next word in the question you would ask it would be like, what? So it knows, you know, okay, it's asking a question about stars. So it's probably, you know, it just goes down to what you're probably talking about. And so it's, that's kind of what, what the AI is. It's just searching for, you know, there's, yeah, 10% chance this is what the person is talking about. And when someone's talking about this, 10% uh, of the time, uh, they want to know this. I don't even think I can get Storm Island because the servers are shut off. Yeah, see this surfers I should have. Alright, I have something I need you to get involved with. Get yourself over to Nice Harbor and bring an overnight bag. I'll see you there. Can I? We'll try it, but pretty sure it's not gonna work. I'm gonna take a short break.
Well, I want to thank everyone for coming out. I don't know when I'll be back on. I don't even know what day it is because I've been up all night. I might be online tomorrow, Sunday. But, see everyone later. Bye bye.